Welcome to Searching for the Question Live. My name is David Orban, and I am very glad that you are following the show. Um, we uh, are streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, please subscribe, like, follow, uh, do all those uh, things, uh, and um, ask uh, questions or make uh, comments. That is the beauty of being live, that uh, we can interact. Um, a few episodes ago, actually, I was also posting the backstage link so that random people following the show could join and become uh, part of the, uh, the show as well. And, and I don't know uh, if it is going to happen. So uh, Esther is already taking advantage of that and saying good day. So thank you, Esther. And uh, feel free to make any remark. Uh, that is uh, concerning our theme uh, today. Um, uh, and uh, before before we do that, let me just make a couple of uh, a couple of uh, recommendations here. Um, at searching for the question, we try to be interactive. And one of the things that you can do actually is to suggest uh, new guests that you would like to see on the show or vote on the guests uh, that others have uh, suggested. Um, as well as, uh, of course, you can uh, become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor uh, on patreon.com slash David Orban, helping me and my team produce this, as well as uh, the various other uh, things that, uh, that I'm doing, uh, experimenting with various platforms and trying to understand what, what is going on in the world. Um, it's it's always fun, and uh, some people have been uh, complaining. Uh, oh, not enough people uh, see uh, your content, which is very very good. Uh, I have been following it for for so long, and uh, I responded that uh, actually for me a lot of the fun is just the opportunity of uh, meeting people, talking to friends. Uh, hearing updates from them, meeting new people that I haven't met before, and um, covering subjects that are interesting. I'm learning so much. So I am obviously extremely grateful and very honored for all of you who are uh, following, searching for the question live. And uh, it, is, it is really great but I am having fun regardless. And, and, and as I said, I am learning a lot. It, one of the industries, and there are many that I know very little about, um, it, one of the industries that I know very little about uh, is uh, the construction business. It, it is fascinating, right? Uh, the, the ability we have of designing and, and realizing mega structures of uh, extreme sophistication uh, is is fascinating and and of course in a hundred years we will do uh, e even more magical things and we will look back uh, laughing at how primitive everything we are doing today uh, uh, looks but um, skyscrapers and uh, um shopping malls and las vegas uh, hotels or bridges and uh, all kinds of real uh structure 
uh, steel and glass and concrete uh, are absolutely fascinating. And now, as it turns out, I know a guy who, who is into this kind of stuff. And he's with us uh, today. Uh, Alex, uh, welcome on Searching for the Question Live. Hello, David. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Um, as I was uh, getting ready, um, since you and I have known each other for, for a few years, uh, how, uh, how long have we known each other? Uh, it's it's the, the Teal Fellowship days. That's right. That's right. 2012, 2013. Okay. While, while uh, you will be talking, answering some question, I will look it up uh, precisely because I know how to find it in my email archives uh, uh, or, or, on, or on Google Photos maybe. Um, and and so when I was uh, looking up some notes, uh, I was uh, wondering when was it that we met last time, and uh, and where were we? And uh, I found the photo uh, um, that we 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 shot as we were together uh, in in New York on the Hudson, having a nice dinner on one of these piers. I don't know if it was. Do you remember Pier what? It was uh, around Twenty Second Street, so I'm not. I'm on the west side. I'm not. I'm not right. sure. Yeah, it it was maybe further up north. It's so cool to go around uh, oh, 46. I don't know. Anyway, it was around here, and um, and uh, it this is you know New York and Manhattan is an incredible example of the things that I was mentioning. The amount of amazing architecture and ongoing construction in uh, uh, in new york is is just mind-boggling and um, you spent a few years in new york and now you decided uh, uh, to to leave oh by the way i wasn't showing my screen you could have told me oh uh, there we just, go <laughs> i was just playing around <laughs> without realizing that i'm not sharing it sorry yeah it's further south much much better, much better than what happened last time or one of the the, the previous times when I uh, it wasn't further down than down downtown. Uh, then that that I was just talking and I was muted. Right, that's the worst. <laughs> I had a business meeting. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and I spent the first ten minutes on mute, and oh, nobody my... stopped me. Oh and, no, that's cool. and everyone was like, "So are you going to start?" And oh. and I was just. Oh my god, that's so cool! Yeah, it was terrible. It happens to the best yeah. of us. All right, so so this is this is the place where we were, and this is the photo that I I wanted to show. It's a very nice night and a great chat. It was August twenty nineteen, a different world. So yeah. how are you? How are you personally uh, coveting? How are you adapting your life to to the pandemic? Personally, it was it was very interesting. I um, so I'm not sure for the folks that are not from the area. Uh, New York's been experiencing obviously the highest set of coronavirus cases, um, and also some civil unrest. Um, and so, you know, in a sense, um, from a business perspective, <clears throat> as a, as a founder um, and as a CEO, I had to make some difficult decisions. So about March fifth. We made the decision to uh, permanently send everyone home 
for this foreseeable future. Um, actually, the first coronavirus case was about 500 feet from our office, which which wow. the first one reported, right? It was right near Grand Central Station. Um, it was at the Chick-fil-A that we go to lunch sometimes. And uh, it was- Which means uh, that for the past uh, two, three, how, who knows how many yep. weeks, yep. you People were with through. all that. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we have a few folks, um, and and their loved ones who have uh, resp uh, not resp but um, uh, co more compromised immune systems, and and it just didn't make sense. And to, to be honest, um, you know, it was an interesting decision because we we have a hardware component, we have a firmware component, we have a a software component that's an incredibly complicated technology stack uh, combined with sales and marketing, and we never thought that we could go remote. Um, and it, it was very interesting. I remember I've had to completely change the way I work. Um, you know, you've known me, I'm a fairly outgoing person and I tend to do a lot of my, uh, work in, in person, right. Interacting face to face. And so I've had to get a lot more intentional about that. Um, we did, we have given up our office. So one of the challenges is, as you're a startup, you have limited cash flow. And, um, for those of uh, those folks listening who have started businesses, you'll know this intimately. Um, and, and during a, an, an uncertain time, you need to make some difficult decisions and, and rent in downtown New York um, is not cheap. So uh, we, we, we've sort of gone fully remote. Um, my lease was up and uh, I couldn't necessarily justify living in New York anymore. Um, there were lines at the grocery stores. It was uh, sort of chaos. And for those that have seen the the pictures um, from New York, I mean, things are boarded up. Um, it, it looks very much unlike what you would ever think could happen, right? In in that that part of the the world. So I'm living in Madison now. I have a, a forest for a view, and uh, I don't have to wear a mask twenty four seven. So I'm really I'm doing okay. Madison, uh, Connecticut. Uh, yeah, apologies. So about an hour and a half north of the city of New York. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, look at that too. Lots of green. There we go. All right. Yeah. And and are you uh, are you close to the water? Yeah. So right about where your dot is is very close to where I'm staying. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's a, about a 10 minute drive south as you go down to Hammonatsett State Park, which is that park, uh, if you pan back where you were, yep, that long strip of sandy white beach there. Um, oh. That's a really beautiful state park. Um, so I've been uh, been there a couple times and uh, otherwise lots of hiking, um, lots of nature, which is nice because okay. I actually grew up close to there. Oh, okay. And and are people wearing masks uh, when you go out? It's interesting. They were, I mean, in this, so Connecticut's uh, close to New York, but uh, in a way a, a laggard, I think, in terms of the adoption. Um, a lot of social distancing practices are in place now, but it was very strange in April and parts of May. It was kind of like nothing ever happened. Um, mm -hmm. So that was, that was an interesting fact. And then the other thing that... Uh, has been interesting is as they've started to open things up, I've seen people now walking into like Dunkin' Donuts, for example, with no mask on. And so it, it's kind of like the psychological component of, oh, we're opening back up and we'll just, let's just go back to the way it was, you know, and, and that behavioral shift. 
So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what we're seeing in the South right now in Florida and parts of Texas um, is a resurgence in a big way. And I'm not an expert, but, um, I can, you know, you're a scientist and I'm an engineer. We can tell that uh, proper precautions and, you know, putting a physical barrier between uh, you and the uh, the virus is is effective. So you, you um, it's uh, non-controversial, right? Yeah, right, right. So we'll see. But um, yeah, that's what the, the boots on the ground story is here. Um, it's a bit different. So um, the, uh, the, the, the TL uh, meeting uh, was actually 2014. Hmm, okay. okay. Um, and, uh, and it was um, uh, part of uh, the, the, the TL fellowship, um, you know, uh, gatherings. Um, we were uh, together uh, in in this area of uh, uh, of uh, downtown uh, Las Vegas, yep. and uh, visited um, uh, with the founder of uh, Zappos. Yep, uh, Tony gave, uh, uh, Tony She, who who gave a fantastic talk. Um, his book is uh, is greatly recommended. Uh, do you remember the title? I don't remember the title of, of his book particularly. Um, uh, the, Is this the, on his, his management culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delivering yeah. happiness. And 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 Zappos adopted and then abandoned the uh, holacracy uh, approach, where everybody is self-empowered and then very small units self-manage. And when they deployed it. Uh, close to twenty percent uh, of the employees preferred leaving the company rather wow. than being exposed to the, no kidding. To the freedom of deciding what to do. They 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 would say, "No, no, no! I'd rather be a robot. You tell me what to do, and I will do it. I don't want to think." See, I didn't it, know that. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. That was the. Uh, I mean, it's hierarchy is a very interesting topic um especially now right um and and to an extent people need structure yeah um what is it uh, uh creativity is best uh, best constrained right we, we're most creative when we have the most constraint um yeah. so that's uh, that's fascinating i didn't know that so so oh, wow look at these <laughs> because that's that's me there with my yep. movember uh um mustache and and I organized uh, a network society meetup. There you go. That's you. I can't. I haven't seen some of these faces in years. Of course, of course. And and what was fun about this meetup is that it was in a classic garage. And there I am. I, Look at that. <laughs> and I was setting up. And uh, and there was nobody. Literally nobody. And then somebody knocks on the door of the garage from the outside, and all you guys uh, were there uh, waiting to hear about decentralization and, and whatever else. So that was fun. And, uh, and uh, the the Thiel the uh, candidates uh, still reach out to me uh, periodically because there's evidently not a lot of uh, mentors that uh, list themselves as such online. 
So for for the candidates, this is always uh, a little bit unclear how the process works. Yeah. How should they prepare for the interviews? Um, what the fellowship really looks uh, uh, for when they select uh, the recipients. Uh, and and so it's always uh, wonderful to interact with young, enthusiastic people like you were before you became an old and, and weathered uh, uh, startup uh, executive. A little less green behind the ears now, but still, still, still a green. More gray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have one coming out here. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so, so um, was it uh, was it evident uh, for you that you would want to go into the construction business forever? No, no I mean, not no. <laughs> I, I love, you know, life is so interesting. I was reflecting on this because I just had my five year work anniversary uh, at Pillar. And um, it was it was fascinating because as I'm sitting there at my desk, I'm like, wow, I had a lot of a I had a different picture in my head of what my life was going to look like five years from now. So it's just um, it's so interesting. The story that we tell ourselves about where we're going to be. But actually, we started in uh, sports. So I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if you know a lot of this story, but we uh, we were wearing uh, we're doing wearable concussion monitoring, and that, yeah. you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had this device. It was about the size of a quarter. You'd stick it in a, a helmet or like a headband. It was on the back of your neck, kind of where the uh, spine meets the the base of the skull. And we were detecting impacts. Um, you know, if you got checked in lacrosse or you got Put into the boards in hockey um and it was working uh we had some great results but we ran into some really difficult business challenges one of those was you have a certain amount of liability with any product and when you tell somebody you put this thing in your helmet it'll protect you and it doesn't for whatever reason defect, pro improper installation, et cetera, uh, there's a lawsuit most likely waiting for you, especially with something as charged as concussion and, and brain and mental health, especially with, with young kids. So the, uh, the team at the time didn't really know how to solve that problem. We were not, we were engineers coming out of school. We had no clue, right? It is, it is a problem that actually does not have a clear solution. Uh, Even killed, today. Uh, the, the pri it killed uh, the private uh, airplane business uh, in, the, in the 70s and the 80s. People would buy themselves planes and it was expected that the thing would explode. Uh, but the widows of drunken uh crazy husbands that would end up dying in 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 plane crashes uh would would unavoidably win uh in the courts yeah because it didn't matter uh there would be a few million dollars awarded in damages uh to to the widow anyway and right. um and um so that is why now uh uh, private planes are flown by professional pilots and the business is, has not exploded. Uh, um, so we will see about self-driving uh, drones, of course, uh, which won't kill 
anybody because they don't drink. Uh, but uh, but yes, that that problem is is huge. So after that, you went into the construction uh, industry with uh, with Pilar. Correct. Yeah. So that was a really interesting pivot. Really interesting time. <clears throat> we ended up. So my alma mater, my university, um, is heavily involved in the construction industry, and we had a friend who was following along with this work we were doing in concussions and he said well i know you guys are struggling in sports what about hard hats and so we thought hey you know maybe this is a problem for these guys we didn't we didn't know a whole lot about some of the uh challenges we would then learn that inspired the the, the inception of pillar but this gentleman helped us to set up some meetings in the uh boston at the time we were in boston in the boston ecosystem and it is quite interesting within the first 10 minutes of those meetings the construction firm would go yeah that's just not a problem for us it's just not a top three problem you know it's just sorry right <laughs> so uh in, in a couple of those meetings we, we and this is really interesting uh, the culture of innovation the culture of thinking outside the box so we would sit down with some companies that'd be hard no like see ya you know quit wasting my time but some of those companies would, would say, well, what else can you measure? Uh, I get that you're measuring acceleration um, and, and impact, but could you measure temperature? Could you measure humidity? Um, and so I guess as, as decent entrepreneurs, uh, we started to ask why, why is that an issue? Why is that a, why is that a, um, a problem for you guys? And so we started to learn a ton of, about a ton of problems and challenges that the industry has pertaining to uh, what we will call environmental conditions on sites. And that's a broad bucket. Um, I'll paint that as uh, two parts property and worker safety. So for example, on a job site, you may have a big water leak because there's a broken pipe no one knows about. Uh, you may also have a uh, fire uh, from a welder, uh, somebody that, you know, there's an ember somewhere and it just was neglected. Um, and you may have uh, carbon monoxide exposure. Uh, they're running heavy machinery all over the place. And these job sites are massive. I mean, we're talking up to a million and a half square feet. Um, that's either vertical or distributed horizontally. And there's a very limited amount of people. Um, and so speaking about you know decentralizing uh, your safety protocol, um, human beings are not the best at doing that job the work to be done and technology is and so we refined this value proposition which was basically uh, yeah the question can you hear me no, no, so, yeah, i will i will ask my okay yes i'm, I'm almost done i just wanted to, to close the loop on that um basically if we put a real-time sensor network across the job site that will allow us to collect data and then send instant notifications to alert people and similar vein i mean the the, the product in in sports and the product in um uh construction are the same concept alerting and, and creating awareness um but the the uh the way that we tackled it is a bit different um a, a step back and talk about uh, the construction industry more more in general 
uh, we, uh, I mean, many uh, in um, businesses that are either total digital or becoming digital uh, at an increasing rate. And the construction business is not one of them. Um, uh, um, moving or, or laying down concrete or uh, working with pipes uh, and, and all, all those things it is uh, a heavy uh, duty um, material thing uh, where bits and bytes uh, have lines. So um, how do you see the, the, the construction industry taking advantage of digital uh, and, and, and then we can go back to Pillar more specifically? Sure. So I think just to give the folks some context, why construction hasn't scaled? That's like everyone's everyone's question. And um, I think the best example is to use an analogy in manufacturing. When you create a plastic part, you have one mold and then you can produce a million of those parts. And it's the same process every time. Um, that's why, you know, Henry Ford was able to scale up the automobile as he created the assembly line. So same concept. When you think about construction, every building is like a new part. And so all of the pieces that go into creating that are unique and are being done, relatively speaking, for the first time. Um, and so what that means is you have an, an, an enormous amount of collaboration that's required in order to do that. You have a highly irrepeatable process um, and you have very uncertain conditions because we're building outside, um, could be raining one day and sunny the next. Uh, and that contributes to a industry that is incredibly fragmented, um, incredibly one-off in, in the product category. And um, even though we're dealing with $6 billion assets sometimes that are being constructed for doing an, an airport or something uh, like that, and that leads to a really tough time uh, aggregating all the stakeholders and getting them to buy into standard process. And lastly, the industry is heavily regulated. And so what that creates is a culture of, um, I won't do it if I don't have to. And unfortunately, uh, that is you know, the world we live in. But I have seen some really interesting stuff happening in terms of how technology is improving the process. Um, I can I talk about a, a couple things. One is more physical, and that would be in prefab. Um, but let's start with project management. So one of the really interesting and important parts of construction work is being able to collaborate and uh, communicate effectively and quickly. Uh, limiting the time from an, a, a, a thing, uh, an issue being created and then solved. And, then and so what, what we're seeing is product suites like Procore, um, Autodesk is coming out with some software as well. Um, and then a ton of startups underneath that, that are solving very meaningful communication issues. Um, they're coming up with real-time data capture technology using smartphone or a 360 camera. Um, instant collaboration. One of my friends has a company that, that puts a camera on top of a crane that looks down at what's being picked up and they can weigh it and understand if there's anyone around that could be affected uh, from a safety perspective. So a lot of um, 
and, and what's interesting is a lot of these technology solutions are still fragmented. So you need to, like Legos, you have to sort of build a bunch of them together in order to, to kind of get a full collaboration tool. Um, and then on the other side of that, so on prefab, this is what's really exciting, I think, from a time to market for buildings. You have uh, pieces of buildings being fabricated in a factory where you're controlling all of the environmental conditions, all of the safety conditions. And then they get to job site and literally like Legos get built. Um, they just pick it up, put it down and bolt it together. And I think that those uh, processes, while fairly new and, and not necessarily um, as common as I think they should be, uh, will ultimately become the future because they're more efficient, they're safer, they will cost less money. Um, and uh, I, I think construction will have to evolve, whether it's kicking, being pulled, kicking and screaming into the future. Um, technology will play a big role in that. Um, and uh, uh, not only that is uh, fascinating, but your uh, level-headed management uh, of uh, the stream while I was uh, doing some acrobatics uh, is also uh, quite, uh, quite good because it, I don't know what brought me to alert you that uh, if I leave the stream, you shouldn't worry because everything will be fine and you can keep going. But um, that is exactly what happened. My main uh, machine started misbehaving and I joined on my phone. Nice. Uh, but uh, the platform is uh, good enough uh, to uh, just uh, go uh, while all of this is happening uh, in the background. And you were good enough as well. So thank you for that. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, the, the, the bottlenecks for all of this happen, all of this to happen are, are numerous. They are not only uh, in technology. And, and the construction, is, is, is it true, uh, like it would look at the out, from the outside, especially looking at, the, at a market so rich uh, and important like, like Manhattan real estate, that the construction business seldom has a problem with uh, financial resources, or already that is not that, uh, th that true? Oh, I mean, I think it's to the contrary. I think it's true all the time. <laughs> so, um, so it does have problem with financial resources. Yeah, yeah. It's it it often happens because you have so many unknown variables. Um, when you think about financial modeling, you try to limit the inputs, and um, if you do have a lot of inputs, you try to make sure you know you have a certain degree of confidence about each input. With construction, uh, because it's real time, um, and I'm happy to expound upon sort of the value chain of how the financial. Uh, dollars actually come into the market and how that flow looks because I'm watching that very closely because of coronavirus. But um, oftentimes, project will get delayed. Uh, you know, some critical piece of equipment is is stuck on the highway because the tractor trailer got a flat tire. I mean, this happens, right? This is a this is a thing. And um, because that happens, then the guys that were supposed to install it, who were scheduled and were booked at that time now get delayed can't come and then they have to go to another job and then so it becomes a week before they can actually come back and do that piece of equipment 
And then maybe then something is critical in that process. And so now all the other trades are pushed out. So it becomes this large ripple effect downstream that can be quite challenging and quite costly. So and, that, and that's just one example. Does that mean that uh, when um, uh, Tesla uh, in a, a, is able to complete uh, the, the building of their uh, Shanghai Gigafactory um, on time or even before the original deadline set uh, is is really a remarkable achievement? I would say yes, not knowing too much about that project. Um, two, two caveats there. One is uh, China has a little bit more relaxed uh, construction practices. So uh, safety isn't quite as um, uh, prominent uh, and they can build faster because there's less regulation, less um, less sort of red tape. U.S. has a lot of red tape, especially Manhattan. So, so I'm not surprised. I still think it's an accomplishment um, to get it done on time and under budget, or you know, in, ahead of schedule. Um, but and and also, I think from Musk down, the culture is one of do it right, and they're gonna spend the money to do it right. And I think that they're in, they're probably investing in infrastructure, technology, et cetera, to make sure that the project gets done right, because it's more important for it to get done right than for the cheapest dollar. Um, and that's when you look at the owner relationship with the building, that is a very important factor, right? How important to me is it that this is built with quality and high integrity versus I'm just going to throw it up and sell it and it's someone else's problem? Amazing, especially because um, a, a well-built home will last many, many decades. Yeah. So whatever uh, you are not doing right at the beginning will have a ripple effect all through the life uh, uh, of the building. And, and any homeowner knows how important it is to uh, take uh, ownership mm. of of something that uh, is is done really well. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, the the impact of coronavirus on the on the con construction industry. So, uh, how would you characterize that? I, uh, on one end of the spectrum, there are people like me who, I mean, I am not going to physical conferences anymore, and uh, that is a bit strange. Right, um, right, right, right. I, I miss traveling a lot because I, I love it. Uh, but uh, um, at the same time, I, I realize that I gained, I don't know, probably 30% of cognitive functions yeah. just because I'm not constantly jet lagged. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and other than that, you know, everything I do is digital just as it has been before. On the other end of the spectrum, there there's the restaurant business which in my opinion is is completely over you know uh, if a restaurant had uh, a 20 30 percent margin and that is already very healthy and now they are uh, told that they need to reduce the number of uh, um, servings that they sell right by 50 60 70 80 percent there's just no way that they will be able to adapt to that new reality under the same business model. So in the, this spectrum, 
where is the construction industry? Is it a little impacted or is it extremely impacted? And how is it adapting? Yeah, David, it's a, I'll do my best to answer that because it's very nuanced, um, but I, I think I can take a high level approach. Uh, I would say in some cases it's in the middle. Um, and so what I mean by that is most job sites are running reduced crews. So you're gonna see up to 50% reduction in expenses, uh, excuse me, in headcount. And you'll see uh, roughly, we, we surveyed our customers recently and we found, I think it was about $1,500 a day in increased spending just to deal with coronavirus. So if you look at that over a year, uh, you're looking at a close to a half a million dollars in additional budget that's necessary to just deal with this, not including the delays because you don't have enough people on site um, in order to build to schedule. So there's this, that is a, a real time challenge that we're dealing with uh, on a daily basis. And plus keeping all these guys safe. I mean, they're, they're having people actually stand six feet of feet apart and hang drywall now if you know how big a drywall board is like eight foot by four foot that is a heavy piece of of uh of material it is very hard to do that six feet apart um and so i think what you're gonna find is in six months from now i think we'll be in a very different place um in terms of the challenges, I think you'll see a lot of projects struggling to finish on time. I think a lot of projects are going to struggle on budget. We, we're seeing right now a, a month and a half to a three month delay in most of our projects. That means, let's see, if a typical job is 24 months long, you're looking at roughly 10% of budget, maybe a little more in some cases. So we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. Um, also the payback on, so these assets, right? They, they basically build the math on these financial models to say, hey, we're gonna open on this date. We're gonna get at least up by this date and then we're gonna start making money and then we're gonna pay off our debtors or our, our investors. Now all that's shifted. So if I did math, if I had an interest rate from a, from a bank and you know I took $30 million out, <clears throat> uh, I could be a significant amount of interest before I'm able to even start paying back on that loan and then that ripples down into my returns and my math that I did even justify the development of that project in the first place. So it's it's very complicated. Um, it has financial implication, a labor implication, a quality implication. Now think about it, I have 50% reduced workforce. These guys are working all the time, they're strapped. They have to finish on time or they're being pushed to aggressively finish the project, which we know will affect quality. And to your point of having an asset that has integrity, um, that could be a real issue. And the insurance companies are very concerned because they wrote the premium based on the known quantity and the historical loss that they've encountered under normal business economic conditions. And so I guess what I'm getting at is the whole value chain. Been canceled yet? Some of them are, uh, some of them are being canceled. We, so we're working with a carrier right now who's actually requiring the installation of our technology to these construction firms because of the increased risk 
of exposure to their book of business. Um, so it's 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 a real concern. Yeah. The last. Uh, sorry, did you say that yeah. uh, your that the desirability of your solution increased because of COVID uh, uh, in in this uh, scenario? Really interesting sort of outcomes here. So so our market presence selling to contractors has been significantly affected. On the flip uh, side, now let's our... let's go back a little bit because I I don't think that uh, we. Uh, we 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 described at a sufficient uh, level of detail uh, what does the pillar pod do, and and then let's connect it to why it is so specifically useful now for both uh, the construction business as well as to the insurers. Sure, sure. So what folks are looking at right now is actually a screenshot of our physical piece of hardware. Um, that is our, our pod. It has uh, eight different environmental metrics in there, including temperature, humidity sensors, particulate, carbon monoxide, um, and, and, and several more. And what that's doing is collecting all that data and transmitting it back to the cloud where we're analyzing it. That pod is one of many that are strategically placed across the entire construction site to create like a nervous system. So just as your body has nerve endings, I'm cold and hot, you know, the, um, I we are setting up a sensor network to do what your nerve endings do for your body. And so that data is then coming back to us. We build models uh, based on the risks we know about, and we compare the data from the site to the model to understand if there's a, a condition present that's unwanted. It could be, as I said, fire, water, mold. Uh, it could be like dust particulate that people are breathing in that could be really, really bad. Um, and then we're able to pass that on to the site team and say, hey, you have an issue. It's here in the building. So I'll tie that back to the insurance companies. Um, well, first, I'll start with construction companies, as I said, don't have a lot of budget or they're, they're being very frugal with spending uh, for obvious reasons that I just explained. On the flip side, the frugality is is concerning to the insurance carriers because if they're rushing people that may mean that the certain joints on the tubing the the piping that they're installing for water aren't getting crimped or soldered properly um, it could mean that they're doing a sloppy job insulating the building so what does this mean well if you if you're in the winter and you have frozen pipes that's a water loss and if the building is not insulated correctly, that could be a water loss for many years, <laughs> every year, right? So what we're talking about is sort of a real-time um, loss prevention strategy using technology like ours, and then a long-tail difficulty of do we want to insure this property once it's finished? And a lot of these big carriers, they have two books of business. They have a construction book and they have a commercial property book. And it's most profitable to roll them over, right? If I know how it got built, then chances are I want to underwrite it. And so we're looking at how Pillar can package that data up and make it meaningful to the carrier so that they can make a better decision underwriting in the uh, property side. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, very, very clear. Uh, I always uh, liked uh, Pillar because it, uh, for me, represents a, a very clear example of unexpected value uh, that is generated by Internet of Things uh, uh, applications that uh, are uh, um, penetrating uh, novel markets and, and novel businesses. Uh, you know, when 10 years ago or 15 years ago, we would talk about the Internet of Things and what it will mean. Well, we wouldn't have thought. And at the time, we did not think of uh, the construction business and the insurance uh, uh, providers uh, improving their practices through sensors that are installed the way that, uh, that, uh, that you are doing now. And uh, at the same time, once uh, this is recognized, all kinds of new possibilities open up that are becoming now more clear in terms of the data uh, over the life cycle of the, the, the business or, or what kind of other sensors uh, could be valuable or how uh, is, is uh, a, a network of sensors uh, um, is 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 uh, enriching uh, different kinds of services, uh, not only during the construction but later, and and I'm sure that you are also thinking, uh, of course, uh, about many of these uh, possibilities uh, now that you have uh, a certain uh, basis uh, that is uh, that you you built in terms of both hardware and uh, software technology. Correct. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, I'll just share one of the, I'll say the future vision of the company for, for those that are interested. It, we've discovered that construction is a really unique time in a building's life cycle because with the right planning, you can actually embed sensing technology into a structure in ways that you could never retrofit because it would be too expensive. For example, putting a sensor behind a wall to make sure that the humidity behind the wall was not gonna to lead to mold growth. I mean, that's a real issue. I was on a hospital job. They were tearing out all the drywall and it was black mold. There was black mold behind the wall in a hospital, right? Not good. So the, the idea of creating a smart asset starts way before it's even finished. And that's the opportunity we've identified. And so, if you think about pillar as sort of this nervous system during construction, we're thinking about how to create the nervous system that gets embedded in the building during construction that can live on with the building after construction. And we're working with the insurance carriers and owners and developers to concept this and actually start to prototype some of these solutions. Uh, we're really excited because if I can reduce, for example, the, what's the economic value here? If, if your property insurance is, let's just say 5% less expensive over the next 10 years because you installed this, then, then I've not only have I made my money, but you've paid off that investment five, six times over. And that's, that's the value that we're looking to unlock using Internet of Things. And uh, that is uh, that is very very valuable, 
And I am not surprised that uh, Pillar as a startup has been successful for raising its uh, seed fund and then additional uh, rounds. Uh, how much uh, did you raise in total until now? Oh, I think we're at seven and a half million so far. All right. So yeah. It's to be serious money, right? Some pocket change. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, Daniel Strachman was uh, a guest uh, uh, on the show uh, a few weeks ago, too. Fantastic. And uh, she's awesome. she's uh, she's very happy to be uh, to be an investor. Uh, and and uh, I really see a lot of um, a lot of different ways to keep adding value. Now, one thing uh, going back to COVID uh, a little bit uh, is your pod built in China, and uh, have your supply chains been uh, disrupted? Yeah. Um... Fortunately, no. Uh, we so we made the decision pretty early on to look at economies of scale, and um, we're not at the fifty thousand units a month quantity level. And so, what we said was, you know what, it's higher risk to manufacture overseas. I can't go walk over to the factory, bang on the door, and talk to somebody easily. So we make them actually in Northern Massachusetts with a contract manufacturer. So they're, they're, they're made in the US with global parts. Um, and that has proved to be such a lucky business decision um, specifically now, because yes, we have a higher part price, piece price, but the ability to still conduct business is unquantifiable, right? In terms of its value. So, that was, uh, you know, I can't take credit for that one. Uh, that was sort of luck of the draw there, but um, we uh, we fortunately are okay. That's great. Um, so I know you have a hard stop. There is a lot that uh, we could uh, uh, keep uh, discussing, of course, because or other means, the digitization of the construction industry has only just started. Just started. And... Uh, and uh, looking at um, even further developments uh, that that uh, we have been experimenting with a lot of for for some time, but uh, they haven't uh, been widely deployed in the construction business, like three D printing, for example. Uh, we can see how digital manufacturing can become an important new way for unlocking a lot of. Uh, a lot of um, uh, value in in uh, in our economies and the way that that we live. Uh, in in the meantime, uh, I want to to thank you for um, coming uh, to to the show and thank for you. telling us about uh, your your challenges, also the very dynamic way that you are uh, reacting to them. And I, I wish uh, you and Pillar great uh, success uh, going forward. Thank you. No, it's been a pleasure, David. It's always good to chat with you. Something interesting every time. <laughs> and I am absolutely uh, looking forward to uh, be able and, uh, and join you uh, for a wonderful uh, uh, dinner in New York or in person uh, in New York place uh, in uh, where are madison we? in madison connected yeah uh, let's I, do it anytime i will, I will.
I will take my passport and, and come there as my friend and a fanatic uh, uh, Manhattan resident, uh, Michael Smolens would, would say, anytime he leaves Manhattan, he takes his passport. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the country of New York. David, thank you so uh, much. Thank you, thank you. So uh, thank you everybody uh, for uh, joining us uh, today on uh, Searching for the Question Live. Uh, I really have to commend um, StreamYard for uh, how cool a platform they have because I don't know how many other platforms would be uh, able to uh, really uh, support uh, not only the, uh, the ease of use that StreamYard has, but the kind of hiccups uh, that uh, we had uh, today. I don't know if you realized, uh, but uh, my main computer uh, has some internet connectivity problems and I was able to come in uh, and uh, just keep uh, going from my phone. And uh, um, obviously our guest was uh, cool-headed enough to, to keep going while I was having these problems. And we saved the day, and and not uh, every every platform uh, would have been able to to do the same. Um, so why don't I actually show you uh, this? Uh, if you go to davidorban.com/streamyardreferral, uh, you will be able to get um, some uh, discount. I don't remember what it is. Uh, but uh, both you and I will benefit uh, from from this if you want to uh, sign up on StreamYard and, and adopt it. Um, so thank you again. Uh, please vote for future guests on this URL. Sign up uh, for my uh, newsletter uh, on this other one. If you speak Italian, uh, subscribe to the Italian uh, channel on davidorban.com slash YouTube Italiano. And uh, uh, if you feel that uh, the content that I create together with my team is valuable, uh, I encourage you to become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor on patreon.com slash davidorban. Thank you. And... See you uh, next time uh, on Searching for the Question live.